1: Alright, alright. What is going on? You are watching today Sex with Stevie, my live podcast. I'm your host, Steve V, and I've got a jam-packed hour for you. I'm so excited. Well, let's jump right into my first interview that I did last night on Sex with Stevie. It is the writer-director of the web series that I spoke of on Tuesday's Tags podcast, The First, and this is my conversation that I had with Tim Zernick. Quick, for people that just joined us, I'm on the phone with the creator of the web series, The First. The audio is should be fixed now. Um, what I wanted to know, because one of the things that, that I really was struck by that I thought was great is you cast two people that uh, it's like a multiracial couple. And I feel like now more than ever with Black Lives Matter and everything going on, was that a conscious decision that you wanted to cast a you know a black character and a white character?
2: So it's so funny that you bring that up in that it like, and this is maybe my privilege speaking in the sense that I wasn't, I kind of, from the get-go, I just wanted two of the best actors and I didn't care um, what race or ethnicity they were. I just, one of the, Um, cons going into this we had like zero budget and so to me the like special effect or the thing that would make the series good was I wanted great actors and the special effects be their chemistry and so to me it was the most important to like just get two actors that I thought were stellar and had that and then I found those two actors and um, so it wasn't necessarily a conscious decision which I think Um, We shot this a while ago and now in light of everything, I think going forward, it probably will always be a decision that I wanna make sure that that is always the case. But in this case, it was actually just a, um, who was the most talented actors.
1: Um, You know, I love that. I I love that because you went with who was the most talented and it just so happened that the most talented was this African-American actor and, and this white actor. And it so couldn't be fit into the conversations that we should be having now. And so that's really amazing. Um, so I like how, without giving away on, on how it ends, and it sort of, to me ended like with a cliffhanger, and I don't want to give it away. but you explore things. the couple does have decisions about um, whether or not well, one of them is more bottom and. I, and without explicitly saying, the other one is more bottom verse. And Mm -hmm. was that a conversation that you had had with your friends to kind of explore that through your story or how did that come about? And did you have to have conversations with your cast
2: members about before you even filmed? Yeah, totally. I mean, well, I will say it was very, one of the things I'm proudest of with the series is that um, on set everyone was Uh, either gay, a woman, or a person of color, and I felt very strongly about trying to make it as diverse of a um, onset experience as possible. Um, And I was very, from the get-go, my actors would make fun of me because I, in the audition process and in the um, rehearsal process and then on the days that we were shooting, I kept ad nauseum telling them, like, ahead of time when we were shooting the sex scenes and when there was nudity involved and asking them if they're comfortable, and then they were... Basically, like, yes, dad, we know. They were very, um, very aware and comfortable at that time. And then, sorry, what was the, what was the question again? Because there was another. So, something really-
1: and then the whole conversation about uh, um, bottoms and tops and, and realizing. Oh, and how, yeah. Yeah, the compatibility. I guess, the, you know, I'm asking about did you have a lot of conversations with them about compatibility and how that can play into whether or not a relationship
2: works or doesn't work? It definitely, yeah, with the actors, and I would say more so when I was writing it. When I was talking to the actors about it, it was like trying to they like trying to get in the headspace of that, but they um, kind of inherently knew that, just as people who are a part of the community. Right. Um, so I didn't feel like I had to go into like too much detail. I think they all like either had experience or knew someone who had that, and then it was a conscious decision in the sense that I was very curious of exploring. I think there are a million trillion great things about being gay. And so I feel very lucky to be um, a gay man, but I think that there are some cons involved, which is sometimes it can be, um, it's not as simple as maybe a heterosexual couple where it's like one person's a penetratee, the other person's a penetrator. I think that's something that can be inherent to a gay relationship where, you know, two people could fall in love and they both, you know, are the tops or they both are the bottoms and it's something that I felt like it's such a basic thing that I'm was surprised I hadn't seen before. And when I uh, was talking to friends, I was like, I want this story to be told. I know some people who have this or it's like, I don't think that like in it sex isn't everything in a relationship, but it is also a lot, very <laughs> crucial and important.
0: Uh, yeah and it,
2: it it's like it's something that you can't ignore. Yeah. And I think that um it really is something that's super super um important to talk about. So I kind of wanted to just like pose a question kind of to that.
1: Well, one of the things I was talking before you got jumped on the call to my listeners was, you know, it, it's interesting with the apps all like Grindr, Scruff, whatever app you're ever using, it's very obvious and makes it in some ways being gay can be very easy and uh, to talk just about sex in general with the apps. I've always stated I'm not do, I don't do the greatest on the apps. I'm a more in-person <laughs> meeting type guy, uh-huh. but you get a lot out of the way um, with the apps. You can write if you're top, top first, totally. bottom and all that conversation happens in a nanosecond and you could be you know, in that person's apartment with a subway right away or getting on the 405 mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Um, this, your show seemed like to me, I already wrote the backstory, at least in my head as a viewer, that they met, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't perhaps maybe meet on the apps where you would state bottom top. Maybe they met out and about. Would, would, did you have sort of a backstory on how they met On that wasn't like in the apps or?
2: that's oh i love this question um in my i kind of i mean one of the things i did consciously in the writing process and why i specifically wanted to write it for a web series was that like i kind of wanted to break traditional storytelling in the sense of like you don't really know necessarily too, uh, too much about their jobs or their friends you don't like see anyone else in the series and hopefully you don't really notice that because it's kind of like in a I was like label it myself as like a bedroom series where it's kind of what happens behind the closed doors, not like when they're with any other people. Like it's just the two of them, and so I didn't go into too much backstory of that. But in my head, I always imagined them being like set up on a blind date. Oh, there. Oh, right. Yeah. And
1: you know what? There's Mm -hmm. a, a scene at the end that sort of now I'm just having a flashback that looks like yeah yeah. So I get what you're talking about. I don't want to give anything away, but. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I kind of got that too and kudos again once again to your actors because it is only these two characters and granted it's a shorter series but it was riveting I wanted to immediately play the next episode and the intimate bedroom talk pillow talk if you will conversations that you wrote for these actors. You know, you didn't need their gay, you know, someone's roommate walking in. You didn't need all that. Now, obviously, if it went on, I could see you having other characters or if it was a TV mm-hmm. show, but I really enjoyed it just with them. Um, the other thing I, I liked that you explored, at least in the writing, was the idea of open relationships. So, what if posing the question, what if it doesn't, you do meet somebody, you start liking them, you perhaps fall in love with them do you then, the conversation could go to open relationships. And I was talking it, on my podcast on Tuesday about two friends of mine that have they've been together forever, they're married, and they're both two tops, interestingly enough. And I think they've made it work because they're so in love, and I don't know the details of their sex life totally, but I do know that they play around when they want to with a third, and when they do, they look for a bottom. So. Um, did that come, how did that conversation come about in the writing, or how did you explore that? Was that? Oh. I mean,
2: yeah, I don't know if this is a universal um, gay thing today, or if it's an LA thing. And um, being here is that I do think it's like fairly common that um, I just feel like more and more people, almost like everyone I know now is, like, in some sort of open relationship, or even if they're, like, closed, they've opened it up for a time. And something that I felt like as the years went on of me being here in L.A., like, it became, at first, it was maybe more of, like, a one-off thing, to to now it's, like, it's almost, like, more rare to find someone who wants to be monogamous. Right. So I, like, for their whole life or something, and so then um, that was just something that I felt was, like, the natural progression of these two people who love each other so much and are having some difficulties, but don't want to necessarily break up as a result of it, they're going to try to figure out a different compromise or solution before figuring out, like before anything else drastic were to happen. Um, and I just, um, yeah. So I think it just came from that and from the current like dating scene. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That seems to everybody, you know, if we were talking about this, maybe even 10 years ago, certainly 20, that conversation of open relationships um, probably would have been like, ooh, what? What are you talking about? And now it's it's kind of part of our landscape of communication and not e- even, you know, so many of my straight friends, you know,
2: are open to it. Yeah.
1: Particularly millennials. It feels like
2: also like on like first dates yeah. I've had experiences myself in the past and also with as friends where it's like pretty common, like literally from the get go, people say like, I don't want to be monogamous or I'm interested in that. Like where I don't know. If I, I mean, I don't know, but it feels like 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, maybe that wasn't something that was so common that would be like stated on like the very first date. Correct,
1: and yeah, I, I would agree on that um well, okay, it does does beg the question, and I was reading some of the comments after re- watching it on YouTube and i'll put th- I put the link on tagspodcast.com and where you can watch this show, but uh, w- will there can you tell us anything because it's sort of ambiguous on it, it, like do you want to know more or I want to see does is there going to be a season two? what can you tell us
2: i It's so funny because I've been getting that question a lot and I will say that I always envisioned it purposely as just a one-off thing Um, and then I guess the way it ended a lot of people have been asking me that and I'll say as of right now it feels like I told the complete story that I wanted to tell um, but I'll say never say never. Like who knows? Look at that um, HBO
1: as, show yeah. with Little Pretty Secrets, or I forget with Reese Witherspoon and um, yes, all Big of Little them. Lies. L- yeah. what, what was it called? Big Little Lies. Yeah. Big Little Lies. Yeah. Look at that. Um, I forget the writer. I mean, you know, huge writer. You'd probably know. Totally. Him. Yeah. Um, really, only planned on it being a one-off, and look what
2: happened with that. So. I don't know. I, I So there's no, yeah. I will say there's nothing in the in the pipeline as of right now, but I but I'll say um, I feel pretty good about how I like wanted that that I I always saw the last scene before I saw like the last couple scenes. I like that was in my head first actually and so um I kind of uh, really like how that those last scenes played out but we'll see, you know. Well, well um, done, was I was there. bawling
1: it, uh, crying at the end of it. So in a good way, and also oh was, God, yeah, so, so um, yeah. Before we tell people where they can see it, um, you're working on a show, an animated show for Netflix called Q-Force. Is that, can you tell us anything about that?
2: Uh, I can tell you that I'm working on it, but then it's one of those things where um, it's it's like, I feel weird in the sense of like I feel like it's my boss's Got and it Netflix's like decision to like talk about it and all that stuff cuz it really hasn't been it's been announced that it's coming but nothing else and I don't want to get my boss upset um and I feel like he's really cool and funny and awesome and he'll eventually at a certain point like publicly talk about it and then I'll, I'll follow suit but Are you writing All on I it? can say is that I can say that I wrote on it and that it's coming sometime next
1: year. Um, well, and I can say, I read, it's an, I read that it's, and we can just, I can say this, but you can, you yes, don't have to yes. say that oh, it's I mean, an it animated superhero. Yeah, yeah, tell us the premise really quick.
2: So the premise is, um, it's called Q-Force and it's basically like a, a team of super spies, um, basically like if James Bond was gay and like his gay team mates um, and it's like a, fun, spy, animated series. Um, and Sean Hayes is uh, the lead of it and also producing it.
1: Well, I cannot wait. And maybe you can come back when it's out and tell us more when you're allowed to. Um, but people <laughs> can follow your Instagram for the first, your series, and it's at the first series. I think I have it in your yes. your name right there. Mm-hmm. And if they go there, there's a link to the web series as well. Um, otherwise,
2: people can go to the website, correct? Um, yes, yeah, so you you can find it on Instagram at the first series, Twitter at the first underscore series, or Facebook, the first web series. And then um, the link is in the Instagram bio. There's also the first uh, webseries.com. And then if you just go to YouTube, unfortunately, the first is has is the name of another web series and the name of tons of things. I
1: know how that so goes, if you yeah. type in
2: Yeah, if you type in the first and then my name, which is Tim zintech it will come up easily. Um and but I would say your best bet is through the um go to Instagram, you know, at the first series and the link is right there in the bio.
1: Tim Zintik, I want to thank you for writing and directing a really awesome web
2: series, the first. Um, I love it. And I I see. Well, thank you so much. You made my day with all of your sweet comments the other um, episode. And uh, thanks for talking about it. And uh, it's really uh, very,
1: very sweet of you. Well, stay in contact with the show. And um, we'll talk with you soon. Thank you so much.
2: Of course. Okay, talk to you later. Bye-bye.
1: Moving along, let's get into the second conversation I had with my special guest. It is with Alexi Minko, the owner of Alibi Lounge in Harlem, one of the first black gay-owned bars who's been hit, obviously, with COVID-19, trying to keep his bar open, who is celebrating a really major feat of a GoFundMe page where they just met their goal here's my conversation from last night's sex with stevie with alexi minko of alibi lounge hello alexi minko yes all right hi welcome to um sex with stevie my live podcast i really wanted you on the show and thank you for doing the show because you own the bar alibi lounge and you're you were open tonight and I, I know that you kind of moved your schedule around to um, do this interview, so I really appreciate that, first off.
3: No, don't worry, it gave me an excuse to leave early for once. There you go. There. I you told everyone I had to be on the radio, so I gotta go.
1: Hey, I love it, I love it. Well, we, um, you own Alibi Lounge, it's in Harlem, and congratulations, because not only just for, is it one of the only gay, black-owned bars um, around that we know of?
3: Yes. Well, um, it's true that uh, for a very long time, you know, we were the uh, only gay black-owned LGBT um, uh, bar in in New York City. I want to say even in New York State, and um, we were thrilled to learn that, uh, uh, as of I think today, there's a second uh, gay black-owned bar that just opened down the the, the street from us, pretty much. Uh, and it so happens that uh, the owners are a couple, a gay couple, black gay couple, which is brilliant. And that um, I've known them uh, for a minute because they used to own a vodka, you know, a brand of vodka that they created. And I was the first person uh, to sell that vodka in New York. Um, so, you know, and I know that they got inspired by the fact that, you know, I was around and they saw a little bit how, you know, I worked to make the business uh what's the name the of the what's the name <laughs> of the
1: vodka so we can plug it uh, well
3: it, it has a i think he yeah, had a brilliant uh found name because it's called lambda vodka and you know lambda is a is a term associated, associated with uh gay rights yes
1: uh, lambda
3: yes that's the name of the vodka all right and um, yeah and four years later here they are you know i'm not alone anymore
1: nice. so uh, i'm
3: really happy that the neighborhood gets to to have you know two gay black owned businesses bars because I think it's going to be an example for the rest of the community and uh, it's just going to make us stronger.
1: Well I want to congratulate you because you like so many people that own bars during COVID-19 have had to shut your doors uh, for months really and I know I was reading a little bit um, before that at one point you tried to apply for PPE Loans, and you were denied when people restaurants like Ruth's Steakhouse would get them immediately. And I think eventually you got it, but it wasn't really enough. But you launched a GoFundMe campaign, thanks to a friend of yours that told you to do so. And your goal um, was one hundred and fifty thousand. And you did you just meet that and actually exceed that?
3: <laughs> we actually, uh, we actually beat the goal. Um, Well, I want to go back a little bit to uh, to what you said quickly, if I may. We, um, yes, like the rest of the the country, I mean, at least in New York, um, uh, March 16th, you know, we were sent home quite, uh, without pretty much no notice. But in my case, uh, yes, we did stay close for for a minute because, um, I don't know if you were, but on March 11th, I was uh, savagely assaulted uh, by six individuals. I, I was going to um, ask you Lounge. That. Wow. Can... Yes. Yeah, so so that's, you know, and then, and then, you know, I went to the hospital, of course. Um, I want also to um, uh, say a big, big thank you to uh, uh, a guy named Chico, who's a regular at alibi, who's the person who tried to come to help me and also got sent to the hospital with me. But we had, we had to be sent home because, you know, COVID-19. So um, I ended up alone my apartment, totally alone. Uh, having to recover physically first and then mentally, of course. Um, which, you know, did prompt me to, it really kind of decided to be done with Alibi Lounge. And, you know, then, of course, the financial uh, burden that were accumulating because, you know, rent, it kept renting, uh, taxes, you know, uh, all the oh, charges that you can imagine. I can only imagine, yeah. yeah. And you're right about the PPP. The problem with the PPP is that the first time around, it's not we got rejected, is that the system wasn't working. Um you will you will it will take literally three days to uh to fill up the application online and by the time you will press enter the whole thing would just crash. So um <laughs> there was right. that. And the second time around, uh we it, it simplified the whole process, but then when we tried, boom, there's oh no there's no more money. Because if you remember the scandal, big corporations would were not small businesses <laughs> Had received like 20 million sometimes, Um, so when we arrived, there was no more money. And then the third time around, when I applied, uh, and I still don't understand why I got five thousand dollars. You know, right, right, (laughs) five thousand dollars, which was like okay. But in the meantime, um, a friend of mine who owns, um, who's a young black man as well, who I have mentored um, uh, through uh, Alibi, uh, had opened two restaurants in Brooklyn two small businesses in Brooklyn where he, you know, he employs uh, also young black, and young black women over there. And he's the one who came and told me, you know, to try the, the GoFundMe, really. I barely had heard about GoFundMe before, to be honest. And, uh, and I was very reluctant at first to, uh, to do it because I felt like it was admitting that I had failed, you know, I, and admitting to the world that, that I had
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple.
3: Maybe I didn't know how to take care of my employees, I mean, stuff like that. Right. And he really, really insisted. He really insisted that I uh, I do it. And look at me now. <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, I couldn't think of a better
1: a better person to receive this money because, like you said, rents in New York, forget about that, and then the, the taxes. And to go all this time, restaurants and bars really can't really afford to have all this time off. And I know you've you've been such a inspiration to all the so much of your staff, not just as an employer, but I was reading a little bit about you. You like to hire people within the community, um, Latinos, African-Americans, but also kind of help them out. You have a lot of work in the hospitality industry, too. Right. And you want to kind of give them like a yes. Yeah, talk a little bit about um,
3: it, that. It, it, it comes from my background. Um, you know, I come from a family of lawyers, judges, and so and, on, so, um, and I'm the only one who didn't go into corporate, the corporate world because I became a human rights lawyer. Um, I've always had that. My mom calling it a bleeding heart, and uh, as soon as I see someone crying, I, you know, i run running with a, a handkerchief. So, in any case, it comes from, it stems from there. The fact that um, I'm lucky enough to have worked really hard my whole life and to enjoy you know good life and i can't live somewhere you know be a part of the community and see other people struggling and suffering and if i can help you can be sure that um i'll try my best so before even up an alibi i partnered with a brilliant young lady who lives in harlem who's from harlem her name is adrian Mack, and i wanted to say her name because she and i created a program uh, with Strive International, where young black men between the age of 18 and 24 could get um, training in hospitality, paid by the City of New York, and then once they would get their certification, they would be hired by you know various small businesses, restaurants, bars, and for up to eight weeks, he was also paid by the City of New York. So you can imagine, you that doesn't happen otherwise. Right, you know, right. when you are black, first of all, in the hospitality, we want people with experience. So when you come out of the school, you usually start far back for two or three years. And then when you're black and you live in Harlem or the Bronx, you can imagine it's even more complicated. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, these kids um, will get hired right away by um, a restaurant or a bar, learn quickly, you know, the in and out of the business, and who knows, you know, stay with the, the people that have hired them or go for better, um, for over-opportunities. So that's why we created with Adrian and Mike, and uh, the program is fantastic. Uh, I wish more people would know about it. I wish more people would go to Striver International to uh, apply. It's very easy. You just have to uh, live in Harlem and be a young black man. So now, uh, moving forward, yes, I did treat other uh, more. more like, uh, as an opportunity for anyone, really, at anyone uh, with, with or without experience who came and told me that they needed a job. And as much as I could, I would put them on a payroll and, you know, um, try to teach them a little something, you know, how to make a drink, how to manage a paycheck, how to, uh, uh, how to come on time, you know, uh, for the job. All these kind of little things, which I hope, you know. Um, have helped some of them. Uh, pay, you're grow, paying it, you it forward.
1: Know? They're paying it forward. Absolutely. Well, I want to ask you really quickly because I only have a few minutes here, and I want to use my time yes. wisely. Um, what is the Alibi Lounge experience? Or I mean, obviously, it's different right now because I'm sure you have only takeout right now. Um, but yes. um, I was reading somewhere, and which I I loved is that you said that um, James Bond didn't really know how to make a proper martini because he was shaking well, it and you said you need to stir a proper like I'm doing right now. Oh, Madrid. absolutely! <laughs> What's uh, the Alibi Lounge experience?
3: <laughs> and system that my bartenders know when they come, uh, with whatever they come from, we stir a martini or a Manhattan. We never shake it. And to answer your question, I, I, I have the perfect answer. I always say it. It's the Plaza Athene meets Lil King. That's, uh, say, <laughs> that that again, say that again? Say that again? I want to
1: hear that. Really, Say you know, it again.
3: <laughs> it's the plaza. The plaza meets Lil' Kim. Oh, I love it. The, the, the yeah, plaza exactly. meets Lil' Kim. What is. That's what
1: ama- That says it all. You know, that says it all. And in one of my favorite parts of, of Manhattan, um, Harlem, which is so awesome. Um,
3: yeah. Isn't Harlem beautiful? I mean, really.
1: It really is. And what does um, the bar look like right now? So you're doing, uh, do you have like outdoor Well, space? right now we
3: have um, like, you know, like every phase we have been delayed in New York City. So right now we have tables right on the sidewalk with Stavros uh, Road in uh, Harlem, which is by 139th and, and 7th Avenue. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Um, and we're outside on the sidewalk with tables, the, the rainbow flags floating proudly. Um, I invite everyone to come, we make the best drinks in the city, and uh, we're going to have a good time.
1: We can follow you on Instagram by going to Alibi Harlem. Alibi Harlem,
3: yes, on Instagram and Facebook. And on Twitter, it's lounge underscore alibi.
1: Alexi Minko, I want to thank you so much, and congratulations again on reaching your goal. And I'm going to come up to Harlem. Before I go, can I say something? Yes, please. Before
3: I go, I want to thank everyone who has donated. I swear to God, I'm trying my best to I sound a note to everybody, but there are over 5,000 people, so it takes time. But I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and on behalf of the Alabama family. We are so grateful to you guys. Um, we don't know how to repay you, but we will try.
1: Oh, I'm, I can't wait. And I'm coming, up, I'm coming up there to have a drink there soon, so I will look for you,
3: Alexei. Oh, I can't wait. I look forward to meet you.
1: Thank you so much, Alexei. I'll talk to you soon.
3: You have a nice voice. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
1: All right. I'll see you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. As always, it's always so much fun to catch up every week with my co-host, Cody Maurice Doggett. Let's get into it as we break everything down on this week's Sex with Stevie. hello. Hello. Hello, darling. Darling, how are you?
4: I'm doing well. How are you, darling?
1: I am really good. I'm not sure if you got to hear my interview with Alexi Minko of Alibi Lounge, but he just- That was amazing. He described it as the plaza meets Little Kim. Little Kim. Okay, now. Have you been there?
4: (laughs) I haven't, I was just researching it and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've never been to this spot. I feel like I've been to so many, like, uh, black gay spots in the, in the city, like Secret and, yeah. um, Langston, that are all, that are actually now shut down. And I'm like, I need to go and support Alibi Lounge. What is wrong with me? Well, let's go
1: together. And Well, let's go. Yeah. You know, I'm
4: always there. <laughs>
1: let's go together and we'll, we'll meet Alexei in person, who's, I'm so happy for him. And, and I mean, he was, you couldn't have more things bad happen to you, not only closing the bar, but then brutally beaten by six guys that just came into his bar.
4: That's crazy. Um,
1: that they're still investigating to having his um, it, the cash register robbed. I mean, it's just like, wow, can this guy yeah. even catch a break? And he did, and I'm so happy. It's, you know, good. Um, how yeah.
4: are you, Cody? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It was so funny that, like, you had that interview about um, the, the f- first. The first,
1: right. The web series. Yes.
4: Because um, I'm, you know, I'm venturing out back into the dating pool. <laughs>
0: yes,
4: yes. And, and I'm running into that same situation, only but in, like in reverse, like too many tops and not enough bottoms.
1: Oh, wait, you're finding too many tops. Yeah. And
4: yeah. I, and I and predominantly a top-like. You are? I didn't know that. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: and it's too late, because we're both
1: friends now. We're sisters now, so... <laughs> anyway. Like, you sounded
4: In- really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, you are.
1: Let me change, oh, rewind yeah. that. <laughs>
4: Thank you. That was the appropriate level of UR. I appreciate that. Thank you. First of
1: all, did you get a chance to watch this web series by chance the first?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. It was amazing. Like he was saying, like the chemistry between the two actors is stellar. Um, They're both so adorable. They're both fantastic actors. The story drew me in so much. It's like... I was just thinking the entire time watching it, like a lot of, I'm just so happy that we have like a positive representation of what uh, a gay relationship is, like how beautiful it is to not have like strife and it's just be about the love between these two gay men. I was just, I was just enthralled. I loved it.
1: Well, maybe you can... Um, we have a current poll uh, on... Because I was talking about this earlier in the hey, week. Poll. Yeah, and <laughs> about the show. And you can go to patreon.com forward slash talkaboutgaysex, take our poll. Okay. And uh, this week's poll... While you're around there, you can scroll around. I do a dark and dirty after show. It's our subscriber page. This week is a brand new. Yeah. So um, (laughs) the questions that I had for the web series, let me pull this up real quick. Um, Question number one, based on the show, um, in your opinion, can two bottoms be in a relationship? Explain. And the answers are, of course, nope, depends, but I'll explain. So what do you think?
4: So the entire time I was watching it, I was like I was like, First, why are two bottoms eating a pizza talking about bottoming? I was like, That's not gonna ever happen.
1: You mean as <laughs> they're eating pizza or
4: <laughs> right? I was like, uh uh-uh, uh no, not going down. Yeah. And then number two, I was like, there are so many ways I feel like around that, it's like if you have too many tops, then um I feel like and uh you never know. But there's like nobody wants the bottom and there's only a couple ways around that but like there's so many toys for two bottoms to use there are things that that they can do to like expand their sexual horizon
1: it's so funny you said that because richard um wrote here he says i only think it will last if they involve either toys to your point yeah or a third in the relationship. It is I um, it is either that or they're going to have to take turns sucking it up and topping. <laughs> yeah, which the show sort yeah. of indicated because one of them was a little bit more verse top, correct?
4: Yeah, and and that's cool and I I kind of like I related to him a whole bunch because like you do want your partner to want you in in that specific way. So I, I totally got it. I was like, once he said, I need to, oh, I'm kind of, real, I'm no spoilers, I'm no spoilers. Right, yeah. But it was, it was good.
0: <laughs>
1: yes, it was very good, absolutely. Well, on the same point then, question number two, can two tops be in a relationship? And according um, to you, maybe not, because if you're saying, you alluded to the fact that you're looking around, you're a total top, yes. you're finding all tops.
4: I'm, I'm not a total top. Okay. I am like I'm like eighty twenty. Eighty percent top, twenty percent bottom. Um okay. you know, you you, you get, get, the get pie a little chart out. <laughs> <a> little, <laughs> you get a wild hair up your up your ass every now and then yeah. and you just sometimes you just wanna sometimes you feel like a nut, you know? Um yeah, I hear you. <laughs> hey. So but yeah, I just actually went on a date today with a guy that's he he said he's sixty forty top. We we, we did math the entire oh. time during our date apparently. <laughs> wow.
1: Okay. So there's enough compatibility there, right? There there
4: is. Um, I am still skeptical. We'll see what happens. I'll keep you updated.
1: Keep us updated. Wow. Yeah,
4: but I do think that it's possible. But again, you have to broaden your horizon. Maybe bring in a third. Yeah. Um, I think there are less options when it comes to two tops, actually.
1: Less options with two tops. Yes. Um, Oh, there's always a willing bottom running around that you can just dial up, speed dial. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that I'm sure would be more than... If you listen to this week's Doc and Dirty After Show, I talk about the time I was with two Cubans. And anyways, that's a whole other story for our Patreon members.
4: (laughs) I almost spit out my drink when you said that.
1: (laughs) Two Cubans make a nice Cuban sandwich. I'm just talking Miami, you know. Um, Okay, and then question number three. Is it important to determine sexual positions before dating? Like compatibility, essentially. Um, Most people in our poll here have so so far, and we want you to weigh in, Mm -hmm. patreon.com forward slash talkaboutgaysex. Most people put definitely Mm -hmm. so far but there were some other responses. Definitely not at all, or well, I'll explain more in comments. So is it important to determine sexual compatibility before dating?
4: I think for the first date, it's not like, I don't think it's like, you have to like become really explicit on the first date. Like, cause for me personally, like chemistry is the most important thing. And right. then comes like, attraction and sexual compatibility so that you have to determine that first and then so it comes very early in the relationship uh, sexual compatibility but i don't think it's the first thing
1: yeah that's that's what i found so interesting about my interview um with tim the writer director (laughs) of the first because he said i loved that he like so many of us he says oh i love being gay i totally celebrate being gay um -hmm. but there are some caveats sometimes and one of them is the compatibility part sexual compatibility part and that sounds sometimes um excuse me but the i think that along with that is when you're yeah you can date somebody and be really into the person and have a great conversation but that can be an issue with Yeah. Um, You know, and obviously it's not like straight people don't have other issues as well. I mean, there's other way of other issues, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and straight guys are learning that they like their ass played with these days. I've heard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's.
4: Pegging. Yeah. yeah, Pegging. (laughs) Pegging. Right.
1: So (laughs) Sexuality can be a whole thing. I think communication, though, we talk about it on Tag's podcast or other show all the time the importance of communication and i think this show the first did a really good job of of exploring that communication that can happen and whether or not we won't tell you if it works if it doesn't work and how it ends and if you want a second season like i do but we will we will i do right.
4: i want to yeah. see more will, will and leo i need to see more Will and Leo. oh you Those know, the names. I love I know it. their names i know their name
0: i
1: love that i love that oh my god well good i'm glad thanks for weighing in on that um one of okay we've got i've only got a few more minutes with you here but um, okay, recent, recently on Teg's podcast we were reporting on the 4th of July weekend that just happened and as <gasps> so many people in our community that know, uh, a place here in, uh, in Fire Island, the Fire Island Pines, they, mm-hmm. there was huge parties going on and no masks were being worn and there was mm-hmm. a story I sent you, I'm not sure if you had a chance to read it, about a drag queen, drag queen uh, Logan Hardcore, do you know Logan Hardcore?
4: I, do. I actually, um, I've seen her perform. I've never met her before.
1: Okay. Um, oh, I just got some mint in my mouth, and I don't want that. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so Logan Hardcore has been calling them out, literally, like calling people, promoters. I'm not going to say them. I'll put the link on on tagspodcast.com, and you could read more about it, but. I don't know. What, what did you think when you saw some of those pictures and when you read the article about this drag queen, Logan, hardcore calling a lot of them, putting them on blast, essentially, at the gays for not wearing masks and throwing these
4: parties with hundreds of people? Um, I think that she's trying to be social, socially responsible because, like, COVID is still a very real thing. Um, and... I've seen so many memes about like <laughs> about like what what went down on, on Fire Island over this past weekend and I was like wow this is really it's really crazy and I can't believe that people were being so irresponsible like because I can't believe that they that they would take would take it so lightly yeah like I really don't understand that I feel like people should that's what, not only people in Fire Island, I feel like people in New York in general are certain. Well, across the United States, period, they're taking the COVID really lightly, and I think it boils down to our, I mean, our leadership, yeah. Much.
1: So, um, but you know, that in that article, Logan brought up a lot of good points. It's that it's not just you that selfishly wants to have your fun; it's that you're going to end up getting on the, all the trains and buses and. Yeah, taxis that it takes to get out there, you're gonna get on those same things that we all get on, and then you're gonna come back to the city that we all live in and potentially infect, you know, people here in the city, not to mention one of them I think was called out too, because I think they kicked him out of their house because his mother has cancer. I mean, you see the ripple effect that it can all have. And so it ends up being more than just, you having a good time, it's all the people that you can inf- infect. And that's exactly where, yeah,
4: so it's it's basically a social responsibility. You have to be socially responsible to people that are more inclined to to um, in, you know, negative results from having COVID. So it's right. like 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 that, basically.
1: Absolutely. Um, Real quick, Nathan Patterson uh, wrote in, uh, I don't think it's out of line to discuss that early on, meaning sexual compatibility, back to our conversation on that. Mm -hmm. He doesn't think it's out of line to have that discussion early on as you're, you know, and I think, yeah, for us gays, it's kind of easy to have that conversation. You kind of usually, usually figure that out, although um, pretty early. Well, I don't know why I'm jumping around so much, but that show on Netflix, that dating show, did you watch that? Where they went um, on these like blind dates, and there was a gay couple that went on the, the dates, and oh, if my sister is watching, I wish she could see. What show that, is this? It was a Maybe dating. It, it was a dating <laughs> show on Netflix, and I was all about it. It's really good, and. It was mostly straights, but there was one gay couple, and this kind of came up where one of them was sort of alluding, trying to figure out on the first date, you know, about top and bottoming, and the other one was like, listen, don't worry about it yet. You're, You're kind of going there too soon, so um yeah i'm not sure if my sister's watching it she knows right away but anyway um if i find it it's a it's a really that particular episode the gay one dating 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 around thanks vivian dating dating (laughs) around thanks producer vivian (laughs) dating around you all should watch on netflix well i'm
4: i'm getting into that oh it's really good it was really good and the gay (laughs) one
1: Dealt with this, and, and when the one guy kind of insinuated a little bit about top-bottom things, the other one was not having it really, kind of and it kind of like wah wah. Um, so yeah. Anyways, dating around. Thank you for that. And Greg Bender really enjoyed the first. Good, I did too. So did Cody. Thank you. I'm I'm glad. Um, Cody, I hope you have a drink because I want to cheers you. It's oh, not-
4: I do cheers. Cheers. I made it, right.
1: Yeah. Cheers right when,
4: to... right when we we're talking about the martinis. So I, I need to go to Alibi Lounge and have one of those special martinis.
1: Well, no. I'm going with I'm you then. Place. Okay. Can we go together? Let's go. All Even right. Ready. All right. You're 80-20. Uh, <laughs> 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 I love you. And I love you too. All right. I will talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. All Well, thanks again for joining me on another episode of Sex with Stevie. I will be back next Thursday live. And, of course, a brand new episode of Tags Podcast next Tuesday. Follow us on Instagram, at Tags Podcast. T-A-G-S Podcast, at Tags Podcast. And until then, I will talk to you soon. Be well. Stay safe.